Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. message today, um, I want to tell you that our church is looking at three current buildings, um, both, all of them double the size that we are currently in, one we're moving forward in, more negotiations with them, and so our real estate team is working hard, but next week, someone say next week, next week's Palm Sunday, and that is our commitment Sunday, and our simple invitation for everyone, if you consider Church Alive your home, pray about your role and uh, both through wisdom and faith say Lord what could I be a part of uh, through the Believe and Build Foundation and I tell you this I, I, I spoke to our men's prayer I think on Tuesday morning and I said to them I honestly believe for some 17 year olds and 18 year olds and 19 year olds that many times if they'll pray about what they'll give and it won't be about the amount it'll be like 40 bucks, it'll be $50, but that seed will do something to their heart. And um, so for some people, it's, it's literally thousands upon thousands, but for some people, it's a seed. And that seed does something in their heart. Do you believe that? Uh, I tell you this, years ago when I first gave to God, the very first time I ever gave to God, here's what's interesting, I don't know if the church needed it. But here's what I know, I needed it. I don't know if I don't know if that was like their breakthrough week when I gave $434 one time. I don't know, but I know it was my breakthrough. It was how God taught me faith. It was how God taught me to trust in Him. And uh, man, so I don't I'm just excited. Amen. If you're a man in here, listen up real quick. Man 252, the weekend. It's about 11, I think we're 11 weeks away. We got tons of men signing up. Here's the deal, men. Here's how you sign up. It's fifty dollars down. You don't even have to pay the whole thing. I think the number, uh, it's it's, I think it's two hundred eighty-five dollars that covers all your food, where you sleep, all the stuff. But you're gonna put fifty dollars down, and then you can pay it off for the next number of weeks. And it's gonna be an incredible weekend. Do you believe it? Yeah. Can we? Can we? Can I encourage the ladies to start praying for it? As we've been praying for resilient women over the, over the last couple of years and we've just been seeing you guys blow up, can I, can I invite some ladies to say, hey Lord, would you pour out a special grace upon 252 the weekend? And whether you've got a man who's going there or whether you want a man coming back from there, it's going to be good. Amen. Amen. Can we pray together? Come on, say this with me, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, may your name and your renown be lifted in my heart. I declare today, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my family, in this church, in this state, in this nation. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. 
give me today my daily bread. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Deliver me from evil, I pray. Speak to my heart, I pray. Let a fresh oil touch my mind, touch my ears, touch my eyes today. Jesus, I invite you. The mighty church alive said, Come on, can we give the Lord a hand? In the house of God, come on. All right, go ahead, grab your seat. Do we appreciate our worship team, by the way? Can we thank them real quick? Hey, can we appreciate all the people that make baptisms happen, by the way? I was so impressed uh, by our serving team, and they're like ninjas up there. They're just kind of doing their thing and so forth. I don't know, is that my microphone? You don't know. All right. There was just a blank stare. What are you talking about? I'm hearing voices, that's all. We've been in a series at our church called Rainmaker. Someone say Rainmaker. Rainmaker. It's just a short series. It's a mini-series. I'll end it next week. The definition of a rainmaker is the person that causes unusual favor. Someone say unusual favor. favor. And blessing to be bestowed on an organization, a business, a church, or even a nation. And I began last week saying to you and, and kind of inviting you that you can be the rainmaker of your generation. You can be the rainmaker of your family. How many know that people who just got baptized today can be the new rainmakers in their family to bring blessing, to bring favor as they follow Christ and all that they do? And we talked about Solomon and Elijah last week. And we talked about that the invitation of his day was the invitation of our day. That Solomon had this incredible invitation to ask God for anything he desired and he asked God for wisdom. And God said about him, there'd be no one like him before him or after him. How would you like that said about you? No one like H before H or after H. Uh, No one like his hair, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Proverbs 26, verse 12. But here's what's interesting. Solomon also wrote these words. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? This is Solomon's words. He says, there is more hope for a fool than him. And Solomon started out so well, but by the end of his life, his, his, his grace really was almost lifting the, the presence of God, the peace of God, the prosperity of God seemed to be lifting off the nation. And it, within five generations, what actually was abnormal at one time became the normal of the day. What was in the shadows actually became the, the legislated Worship of that day. And his day, in many ways, is like our day. I said this last week, that the temptation of his day is the temptation of our day. Say that with me. The temptation of his day is the temptation of our day. Here's what John Wesley said. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. 
And within five generations, four bad kings, one good king, Solomon goes over. And, and within five generations, that is historically 125 years, all of a sudden, Ahab and Jezebel are really sending curses upon the nation. And there comes a prophet called Elijah. This is the day of Elijah. I would actually say to you today that today, perhaps, is the time of Elijah. It's the time of Elijah where people need to stand before God. It's the time of Elijah where people need to stand in the presence of God. It's the time of Elijah where people need to uh, make sure that they're not just one foot here and one foot there. there there's a time of Elijah where it says, um, where there is this distinction between those who worship the true God and those who worship everything else. Can I get a good amen? amen? First Kings 17, if you're not familiar with the text, says this, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And if you're not familiar with the story, let me just summarize it for you. For the next three years, someone say, that's a long time. For the next three years, it doesn't rain. And we pick up the story in 1 Kings 18 where there's been drought and devastation. And 1 Kings 18 says this, verse 1, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Here's what's interesting about the text. Do you know that Ahab literally has an assignment on Elijah's life? He will kill him. He's going to a place where if God doesn't go with him, he's dead. He's going in front of a king that has sent assassins to not just his own nation, to every other nation, and they're literally looking for Elijah. He is the most wanted criminal of his day. And God says, go see Ahab. You're like, uh, are you sure? He wants to kill me. He's like, Lord... That's not what you want to hear in prayer one day, in your morning devotionals. Go see the man who wants to kill you. Like, <laughs> how many would at least call a friend? How many would at least call your pastor, your transform group leader? Say, hey, I'm just, I'm just confirming, is this the Lord? Should I go and see the guy who wants to kill me? And then your transform group leader looks at you and goes, yes. I was just praying about you this morning. And I felt like you would go stand before a guy that doesn't like you very much. And you're like, oh, this is not the day that I thought it was going to be. 1 Kings 18 verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. And your father's house. Because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the bars. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. I want you to notice that King Ahab calls him a troubler. But how many know Ahab is the troubler? It's interesting that he accuses him of the very thing that he's doing. Yeah. His, the spirit on him 
actually makes other people feel guilty while he's actually the guilty one. Yeah. Do you know that the Bible says that the, that the enemy is the accuser of our brethren? So he accuses others of actually the very thing that he does. And you'll actually notice this sometimes in life that sometimes the people who perhaps are the largest hypocrites will call everyone else a hypocrite. It's just true. Why? Because there's this guilty thing in their psychology that they're like, I've got to make everyone else feel bad. Why? Because I feel bad about myself. Are you with me? Hope that's making sense. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Someone say all the people. people. Come on, say all the people. people. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and he laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. Someone say, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. Someone say, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with the altar. Here's what I want to say and emphasize again. The answer of that day is the answer of our day. What did the nation need? It needed revival. It needed a move of God. It needed someone to say, that's not right. This is right. Here's the thing. Choose a side. There's many people that sit sometimes in the middle. I know I'll go to church, but I still play over here. And I think when God moves, I know it for a fact, when God moves, he's got to move your heart and you've got to let go of some things. Someone say some things. What I love about God is he doesn't deal with all of us or all of it at one time. Otherwise, you'd just be a mess. But I found this, that God is gracious and God is loving and God is kind and he deals with you on one thing at a time. He's like, I'm dealing with you on this and then after that you think you're perfect. And I just have some news for some people, 20, 30 years into my Christianity, God deals, still deals with me about certain things. And I'm like, man, thank God when I was 18, he didn't show me all of this stuff all at once. I was like, oh Lord, I am undone. Someone say, build the altar. Can I have my stones? Give me, give me one at a time. Someone say, in front of everyone. Come on, say, in front of everyone. What I love about... Oh, careful now. This is the day of tripping over. It's not a good day. Hold on, hold on. Not too fast, not too fast. Just stay there one second, H. Okay, I'm going to test your forearm strength. I heard in this country it's going down. We're about to bring it back. Here's what I want to tell you today. Worship is restorative. Worship is intentional. Worship is public. Worship is honoring. And worship is confrontational. Let me say that again. Worship is restorative. 
It restores us to the original image of God. Worship is intentional. It's not casual. Worship is public. Here's the thing about keep your religion to yourself. That's nonsense. You can't. Why? Because wherever you go, there you are. And you're always living out in front of people, whether you like it or not. And for years, they told the church, keep it home, get it out of your business. And what we didn't realize was they were tricking the church. And they were actually bringing their religion with them. And they were bringing it everywhere. And the church went into its shell and said, don't talk about anything controversial. Here's what's interesting. Elijah isn't in a building. He's out in the public streets. Everyone comes to Elijah. And they're all watching him. That's why public baptism needs to be public. Why? Because everyone needs to see you. Wow, you believe in Christ now. It's a defining moment in someone's life when they stand before other people and they say, yes, Lord, I believe. I go down into the waters and I come up out of the waters and I say, I identify as a Christian. Are you with me? Come on, give the Lord a hand. Hey, you doing all right? You still hanging out? Elijah gets 12 stones. Israel had 12 sons. Reuben means this, behold a son. Someone say, behold a son. Simeon means God hears. Give me Levi. Levi means joined. It also, they were the priests. Someone say the priests. The next one, Judah, means let God be praised. Let me, give me some more stones. You know Danny's got big forearms. Let's go. What's the next one, guys? Dan means judge. Notice worship's taken a while. Restoring the altar takes a while. Restoring your life takes a while. Restoring your life takes a while. God does it in a moment in your spirit, but God has to keep on doing it in your life. It's public, but it takes a while. It's intentional, but it takes a while. Dan means judge. Nathalie means wrestling. Are you a Christian and still wrestling things? He's like, yes, you are. Are you still wrestling things? Paul still wrestled things. Romans 7, he wrote a whole chapter on it that he was still wrestling things. But just because you're wrestling things doesn't mean your faith is not authentic. Doesn't mean that there there is a struggle between flesh and spirit. There is a struggle to say yes to Jesus sometimes. There is a struggle to be in the house of God regularly sometimes. There is a struggle to to give God your best. Are you with me, church? These are heavier than I thought. (laughs) Gad means favor. What does God want to bring in your life? What does God want to bring in your life? Gad means favor. Like Gad. Someone say favor ain't fair. What's the next one? What does Asher mean? Oh, who wants to be happy? Is that 12? That's 12. I think I had one more. Asher means happy. Isaac means his reward will come. 
Zebulun means dwelling of honor. Joseph means Jehovah will add. Benjamin means son of my strength. Are some of you getting preached to or is that just me? Isn't it interesting that he starts with, behold my son, and he ends with, son of my strength, because God is always trying to point to Jesus. Can I have the wood? This is a Lowe's. I'm going to have to take this off. Otherwise, it's going to look weird. You guys deal with that for a second. And in front of everyone... Someone say in front of everyone. In front of everyone, Elijah builds and rebuilds the altar. And what are all the Israelites doing? They're watching him. And they're remembering. They're remembering that they came from a tribe called Israel. One who rules with God. And they're remembering he had a son. And 12 of them. And they're starting to remember who they're meant to be. Because here's what worship does. It always restores you back to its original. How many know that when Jesus came, he didn't make up his own stuff, but kept pointing them back to Genesis chapter 1. What is that? Is the foundation of why? Because worship restores foundations. And he's building it for a while. And what's going to happen in marriages in this church? What's going to happen in lives in this church? As you begin to see the true and living God, you're actually going to restore some things that were broken. Why do so many people need to go on antidepressants? Why do so many people need to smoke drugs and and get high all the time? Because they've lost their happiness. And they've lost their joy. And what's one of the first things God does when you come clear, uh, near to God? What does he do? He maybe convicts you of your sin, but he gives you joy. And he gives you happiness. And he starts to restore some things. Are you with me? And then he gets wood. And then he cuts up a bull. How many know... You've heard me preach about this before. There's four faces of God, the man, the ox, the eagle, and the lion. And he chooses an ox, and he cuts it up. And then he gets water. Lucy, can I have that water? Right there, honey. Thank you. I'm not going to do this, but I'm just going to show you. And he pours. Oh, give me the, give me the shovel. i got a lot of... How many know I got a, this is one of those Sundays you got a lot of creativity going on before he does anything else and he digs and he digs. Who, how many of you have dug before? Like three digs in, you realize it's harder than you thought and he's digging and he's digging all around it, all around it. And how many know everyone's just sitting there watching him? The nation is watching him and he keeps doing it in front of people. And he keeps on digging, he keeps on digging, he keeps on digging. Because sometimes worship takes sweat. Sometimes it, it, sometimes it takes some work to die to yourself, doesn't it? Now Jesus has done the work for us, but understand, and then all of a sudden he, he pours water so much so over this, this, this ox, this wood, And these stones that it overflows because he didn't want people to think that he somehow just did a little trick. He didn't want them to just go, no, that was a magic trick, Elijah. And when they couldn't produce the fire, he begins to pray. 
Watch this now. And he says, oh God, send the fire. Can I ask you a question? What did Christ do on the cross? When Christ lived, he showed them how to live. And then he got a, a, some wood. And he attached himself to it. And he became the bull, the perfect sacrifice. And then when, when he rose from the dead, the fire of God fell on Acts chapter 2. Why? Because the perfect sacrifice had been made. Listen, the perfect sacrifice has been made. The perfect sacrifice has been made. The perfect sacrifice has been made. We just need to put our faith in the perfect sacrifice. It has been made. And when the perfect sacrifice has been made and we put our faith in that, and not only do we put our faith in that, but we align our lives to that, what happens is the fire of God begins to fall in our lives. Listen to what the Westminster Catechism says about worship. It says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. How many, how many enjoy God? He's beautiful. There's none like Him. If you're not enjoying God, God has more for you. If you're not enjoying your walk with God, God has more for you. If you're not enjoying your walk with God, if, if you're not seeing His goodness, if you're just thinking about your badness, maybe the accuser of the brethren has been accusing you and accusing you and you're listening to an Ahab in your life instead of coming to Christ and saying, Lord, wash away all my sin. You are the perfect sacrifice. Does that make sense, church? Listen to this. 1 Kings 18, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What happened? Revival broke out among the people of God. And they came back to God. What is stopping you from bringing worship to God? Sometimes the truth is it just means you've been listening to a false prophet. And it's not often a person, it's just the thought in your head. Yeah. It's the culture that's kind of sucked you in. It's, it's, it's kind of dancing with Jesus, but then dancing with the world at the same time. And, and what I love about Elijah is Elijah looks at the people of God and he literally says, choose today. Choose today. Whom are you going to serve? He literally was like, hey, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if the God of Israel is God, and he's going to bring joy, and he's going to bring restoration, and he's going to bring peace to you, and he's going to give you right judgment. Why is the world losing their minds? Because they've left Dan, the judge, alone. Let me say this. Here's what I want to say 
just, it, it's so important that I say things like this because you have to have a distinction between darkness and light. You have to have a distinction between what is true worship and what is false worship. Because if you don't have a true distinction of what is true worship and what is false worship, then you will get lured by language that is inviting but deceptive. Are you hearing me? We will get lured by language. What did Eve do? She just got lured by language. You won't die. You won't die. But in the day you eat of it, you shall be like God. And how many know that sounds good? Like, oh, oh, that's good. Look at me. I'll be like God. And all of a sudden, before you know it, she became wise in her own eyes and their relationship separated. I heard, um, here's how I know it's a spiritual battle. Here's how I know some of the culture things that we're dealing with today is a spiritual battle. I'm not trying to get political, but I'm trying to get moral. Let me say that again. I'm not trying to get political. I'm trying to get moral. Because if you can't understand morality and if you don't understand that leaders lead either in a moral way or immoral way, you will be led astray. Are you getting this? Um, Ron DeSantis recently put a law in charge in Florida that protected those under the 18 from transitioning to a different sex. He thought that it would be wise to at least let people wait to see if this was a fad or a real thing. I mean, you can't smoke until you're what, 18? 21? Can't drink alcohol until you're 21? So that at least makes some sense, right? You're like, well, let's, let's put some boundaries on it. Does that make sense? So they did that and they're like, hey, we're gonna do that. And I thought that was a good thing. And then the President of the United States recently in an interview was asked about it, and here's what he said. He said, it's what my mother called sinful. I found that so interesting that he would use spiritual language about a man who is trying to protect children in this transgender movement that's happening in America, but he called it sinful. When one man's trying to protect children, the other man's trying to indoctrinate children. And you have to see it as it is. And when I saw that language, it so bothered me because I realized it's not just politics. It's right and wrong. Are you getting this? It's sinful. When the President of the United States calls a man sinful who is literally saying, I want to protect children, you've got to know that is a spiritual battle we are dealing with today. That is an Ahab, Jezebel spirit, and Elijah has to see it and say something. Otherwise, the fire of God can't fall. When Elijah stands, there is no doubt on who's right and not who's wrong. And sometimes the gospel has to literally look at certain people and say that is not of God. Why? Because everyone will be led astray. It's a spirit being released on the earth and it's dangerous church. It's dangerous. You might say, Anthony, I don't, agree. I don't agree with your politics. No, you disagree with my biblical 
understanding. I've been reading the Bible since I was 18 every day. And let me tell you, I will be so clear on this. Why? I'm not mad at people, but I'm mad at this spirit. And I'm, and I'm mad at the ideology. And I'm mad at the weak people who say nothing. They'll jump up about every other issue, but they won't say anything about the major issues of the day. I, I get concerned when I, when I hear preachers talk about every issue, but that issue is popular. Oh, why are you going to preach about every issue that's popular, but you avoid the issues that are the most important of the day? Let me ask you a question, church. What is revival? What is revival? It is when God's people respond to the moving of God and make a clear distinction between fake worship, false worship, and bring true worship. That is revival. It's when people become primarily concerned with pleasing God instead of pleasing self. That's revival. It's when people become primarily concerned with pleasing God instead of pleasing self. Repentance in revival is normal, not abnormal. Oh, repentance is normal for the Christian. Repentance is normal for the Christian. This isn't abnormal for the Christian. This is what we do. Are you with me? I was so proud of some of our men at men's prayer. On Tuesday morning, one of them said, I'm, I'm 49 days clean and, and just shared the story of that. And, and uh, one of the other guys... One of the other guys, mother, he's been battling his own addictions and so forth. And his mother got an addiction, uh, a diagnosis of cancer the night before. And he says, I want to share with you men that I've been, I think it was six weeks clean. But he said this, but the fact that I didn't go do drugs last night is one of the greatest victories of my life. That's normal. Every, every, every season in our transformed men, we're hearing about six, seven, or eight marriages literally get saved from the brink of divorce. That's normal. That's normal Christianity. That's repentance. That's people changing. That's people getting on fire for God. Are you with me? Where we see people saying, God, I, I love you and honor you and serve you. I watched the beautiful serving team that just served so beautifully as people were getting baptized. And I watched them and I thought to myself, man, that's revival. It's when people are caring more about the things of God than they are just pleasuring self. When a church begins to pray about God, what do I give financially? That's a move of God. But here's the thing. Do you know that I believe this for the next season of our church? I believe that Believe and Build will be like these, these, these bricks and these rocks. It'll be us creating another altar. It'll be us creating another altar where more lives can be changed. Where more families can be changed. Believe and Build is not a building campaign. It's a people campaign. It's a worship campaign. I brought, I brought the wrong pants for this message. I just realized it. Might have brought the wrong outfit too. Repentance is normal, not abnormal. There is a great commitment to the work of God. What's the work of God? Discipleship, outreach, expansion. That's revival. 
When the people of God have a great commitment to the work of God in discipleship, outreach, and expansion, that is revival. When people are sensitive to the Spirit of God and they're about to say something, but they're like, oh, the Holy Spirit's prompted me. Don't say that, son. Guess what? They're carrying revival. Three years ago, I was, I was walking near our little river over there, which that river needs revival. <laughs> I was walking near that river in our parking lot, and I was just praying. I can't remember if it was morning or night. And I've shared this with some of our church before, but I was praying, and if you've ever been overwhelmed in prayer, that was how I was feeling. Now, sometimes that's not always the way. Don't get discouraged. You don't, like, I don't often feel that. I don't feel that all the time. But let me just encourage you in this moment. I was praying. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how to describe it. But I said, I feel like I'm carrying a move of God. We need more Christians who carry a move of God to build the altar, who sustain it by the grace of God, who allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to fall on them, and they carry it. Boy, they carry it. This church is too small. For what God wants to do. God is moving around America. God is moving around the nations. And I just feel in my heart this morning that the Lord wanted me to preach on revival. And I don't know if I've almost ever preached on revival. But I already feel it in our house. And oh, it's already here. And I believe for it to be a family restorative revival. That it is not just a a time of high intensity and strong emotion, but it's the kind of revival that's sustainable. Why? Because it's both principles and it's presence. That's the revival we need. It's, it's men being men of character. It's ladies being ladies of character. They carry a move of God, but they live wise lives. Are you with me, church? Come on, let's go to the Lord and pray. everyone just sitting we're kind of running out of time but I'm going to do something a little bit different how's your passion for the things of God are you wavering between two opinions are you attending but not thriving Have you caught the fire of the Holy Spirit? God comes where He's wanted. The essence of a move of God is God comes where He's wanted. And if you feel like God is stirring your heart this morning to stand for Him, to be committed to Him, to recommit your life to Him. 
Some of you may be standing for the very first time and it may be a moment where Jesus literally comes into your life for the first time. You might call yourself a Christian, but there hasn't been the authentic fire of transformation in your life at all. And I'll, have, and I'll ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask so many of us to just say, to stand and say, Lord, pour out your spirit upon my life again. Pour out your fire that I might carry what I'm called to carry. It isn't a thing of trying more. It isn't a thing of the flesh, but it is a thing of the heart all across this place. Carry revival. And I, what I mean by that is this be committed to outreach, committed to discipleship, and committed to expansion of the kingdom of God, to be light and salt wherever you work. But first, do it in your own home. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? Holy Spirit, draw every heart, draw every heart. say to every single leader in this place it's never wrong to simply say God do it afresh in you in me Holy Spirit draw every heart right now draw every heart that needs to stand for you draw every heart that needs to stand for you draw every heart and Lord I pray right now Lord just as a sign of surrender to those people who are standing would you open your palms to heaven oh breathe on your people Holy Spirit Breathe upon them fresh and new. The revival might start here. It's already been moving, but God, I pray for more and I believe you for more. But revive hearts. Revive hearts. Revive homes. God, touch and speak where you need to, I pray. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn in people's hearts to draw them to private prayer, to draw them away from things that would, would just not please you, Lord. A passion for discipleship, a passion to disciple others, a passion for souls, a passion for leadership. Lord, awaken in your house. Awaken in your house, Lord. A mighty move of God so that we look back and go, my goodness, my goodness. Come on, church alive, would you stand to your feet, every single person, and we, would we give Jesus a hand in the house of God? Come on, come on, come on, let's give him some praise. Come on, let's give him some praise. Come on, let's give him some praise. Come on, let's give him the glory. Father, I pray over your people right now that you bless them and strengthen them. Pour out your spirit upon each one. Heal who needs to be healed. Restore vision to those who are visionless. Pour out joy and strength and right judgment across your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive God's word today, would you give the Lord a huge hand?